good morning to the class. Uh, I've um, decided to do a podcast uh, uh, for the war brides uh, because um, after yesterday's experience, um, I mean, I still have some issues to sort out, and uh, I don't want uh, you know to have any disturbance in the class like we had yesterday. As I said, disturbance is of course a very small word. Uh, so today I'm going to start uh, War Brides, and this is the fourth play that we've got to do. I remember, we have five. After this, we have uh, uh, one more play. And um, the War Brides uh, is, um, as I said yesterday, a very, very powerful play. Um, very powerful um, because of uh, the theme, uh, because of the characters, and um, you know, because of the manner in which. Uh, uh, you know the playwright. Uh, you know she displays uh, a certain sentiment against war. Okay. Um, obviously, as uh, I told you yesterday, the play is an anti-war feminist play, and see the two things coming together: anti-war and feminism. Uh, and this play has been written by uh, Marion Craig Wentworth. Um, she was an American writer, and. Um, you know, more than a writer, she was a feminist and she was a suffragist, okay? And a suffragist is a person who, um, you know, campaigns for the right to vote, right? Now, um, uh, you know, in India, we were fortunate to have the right to vote as soon as we were, you know, declared an independent nation in 1947, uh, which means we did not have to fight for it. But there are many countries in the world which had to fight for right to suffrage, for women, uh, you know, New Zealand, America, and uh, they got this right after much struggle. So, uh, you know, Wentworth was an American, um, as I said, she was an American playwright and also an activist. And this play she wrote in 1915, and it is the most famous of all her plays uh, because of the manner in which it portrays um, how war uh, can be so very devastating. Uh, on you know various factors true but how is it affecting and how does it affect women and we do understand that in a lot of uh, you know issues in the world uh, women become very very uh, first and very very uh, you know serious casualties um, we'll uh, you know I'll have to begin this play with reading the parts myself and it's you know otherwise uh, a household which is a farming household and we have uh, a mother and her uh, sons who are going to war and we have her daughter and we have a daughter-in-law Hedwig is the most important character of the uh, of, of the play uh, she is the one Hedwig is the one in fact who uh, is very very uh, you know vociferous is very very open about the fact that uh, you know war should be avoided at all costs and uh, war should be avoided because uh, the only people uh, who are going to suffer first are the women and children okay uh, this play was uh, you know staged in America and it had a very very successful run it was also uh, made into a silent film which is also very successful okay so you see the power of uh, Wentworth uh, lies uh, in her characters and uh, you know sometimes even in their silences uh, you know in the anger of Hedwig and we see that the play ends in a very very dramatic way and uh, you know this whole debate about uh, patriotism 
this whole debate about nationalism and also about what we call hyper-nationalism, this whole debate comes so very beautifully uh, into focus in one household, yes, and how these people are being affected by, how these people are being affected by uh, uh, th this, this war, and not just the war, but also this, uh, uh, you know, a whole uh, narrative about how war is, uh, you know, something which tests your patriotism, it tests your desire for nationalism, and, uh, you know, what can you do? as an individual to be able to uh, you know uh, participate in this whole national debate okay uh, we would all understand that you know i always make an attempt to um, you know relate uh, what you do in your text to what happens every day you know because we do understand that life um, itself is a continuum and uh, the world is a kind of a reflection of uh, you know what has been thought of earlier and what um, manifests today and uh, interestingly today when i was reading the newspaper i read an article i mean you must have uh, seen that you know all the nobel prizes are being announced we had the nobel prize for chemistry which has been given to for the first time to two women then we had uh, the nobel prize for literature which was given to this american poet called gluck and then we had um, the nobel prize for peace okay it uh, the nobel prize for peace all right, I'm sorry, there was some disturbance. So I just uh, uh, recorded, uh, you know, the introduction, uh, you know, for five minutes. And I'm just continuing from where I left. Um, I just talked about, you know, how uh, our everyday reading uh, should be sort of connected with what we have in our texts uh, so that we are able to form a sort of a continuum between what was written, you know, for example, this play was written in 1915 and uh, we still talk of war, we, stu we still talk of, uh, uh, you know, nuclear disarmament, we still talk of non-proliferation and yet uh, we know that the, the, the questions of war have always become more, uh, you know, they've always become louder and louder. And uh, in fact, today I just read an article, I was talking about, you know, all the Nobel Prize being given uh, in, in literature, in chemistry, in sciences, etc. And we also have the Nobel Prize for Peace. Now, most of the time, the Nobel Prize for Peace goes to an individual. Uh, and this time, it has gone to the World Food Program, which is run by uh, the United Nations. Okay? Uh, now, a lot of uh, people are talking about it as a very uh, historic um, you know, moment and it's a very historic award because what essentially this uh, World Food Program does is it recognizes hunger as a violation of human rights and it links up hunger to war crimes and human violations. Okay, So I'll just read out, uh, this is by Swati Parashar and Kamala uh, Ujrila. These are, um, this is a joint uh, article that has been written in the editorial of Indian Express today. And uh, it says, you know, that the Nobel Committee has stressed the link between armed conflict and hunger, something that the World Food Program also recently reminded us. Almost 80% of all chronic malnourished children inhabit countries affected by armed conflict. Look at the percentage, you know, 80% of all chronic malnourished children they come from countries affected by armed conflict. And here, see, we're talking about food. And we know that food is, uh, is 
you know a very important way of controlling people's lives you know and there's another very uh, important line that they write here they say hunger is not inevitable it is man made and there are victims and perpetrators you know so yeah. hunger is not something that is natural it is calibrated it is created and you know when you look at hunger in terms of you know famines that we had the bengal famine in india we know how it was almost sort of calibrated by you know the british because they were feeding a very flourishing economy in their own country so uh, you know when we are looking at hunger and you know the nobel peace prize being given to the world food program and how it is so intrinsically linked with people who are living in conflict zones you know you'd see that when there are civil wars when there is war the first thing that you know the warring factions do is that they stop the supply of food they sabotage the supply of food they you know redirected to their own camps etc and they let the common man die all right so war i mean i'm you know relating this to the war brides of course war brides is a feminist um, anti war play yes very powerful and very uh, real when you look at it that you know how women are affected so much by war uh and uh, so i'm relating this whole issue of you know food and the scarcity of food uh, to you know areas of conflict okay and these are very serious issues so if you know craigworth was writing in 1915 about this war novel because you know she obviously was uh, she had the the world wars and uh, the world war in view yes all right when she was writing this uh, look at it now in 2020 uh, you know we know that uh, war looms large and so many among so many countries yes look at our relationship between india and china yes look at the relationship between america and china look at the relationship between the koreas yes okay look at the relationship that are existing in so many countries look at hong kong Yes, all right. Or uh, with China saying that it's going to go back to you know the earlier arrangement. Okay, see how people are fleeing from Hong Kong. How it's almost like war on the streets. And uh, war is something that had existed for a very long time, and uh, you know it still exists even now. Yes, civil war, so many pockets of the world, impending war. Okay, and uh, the the whole fear about war has one aspect. and there is another aspect of war which also has this overly um, you know nationalistic hyper nationalistic and also uh, patriotic kind of overtones yes okay see how uh, you know we want to give respect to the Uh, to the veteran to the war people working in the uh, serving in the army we don't even use the word people working in the army we use the word people serving in the army yes all right which means it's a kind of a duty it's a kind of a, a joyous patriotic duty that people in the army or in the armed forces rather that they do okay now um, craigworth in this play she has a very different take to war and uh, you know the term is war brides okay so you see the war bride although when you look at the play uh, you would feel that the appropriate title for the play was not a war bride it's actually a war widow you know that would be the more appropriate term and who is a war bride okay the term uh, you know would make you think of this uh, uh, you know this term uh, you know and what does it mean okay and when we read we'll understand who was a war bride and what was she expected to do what was her role in society and uh, there was a kind of a Uh, you know uh, as though the government was actually controlling this whole narrative about what was war what was expected of you 
you to do and we know that you know in uh, times of crisis uh, women have been very very uh, important contributors yes look at how women contributed to the freedom struggle in india yes women used to give their gold ornaments to mahatma gandhi for the purpose of uh, you know helping the freedom struggle the freedom movement yes we have so many women who contributed and even sacrificed their lives for the freedom struggle okay so um, you know women having a very important role but at the same time sometimes um, you know there is also a great deal of uh, uh expectation from the woman which uh, go, would go actually far beyond her liking or would go far beyond what she would actually want to do okay look at the practice of sati in india okay um we know yes that it was the woman dying on the pyre of her husband okay and many times it was a, a conspiracy of the family many times the woman was brainwashed into doing it and we do understand that uh, so many things that women were made to do you know they did not even want to do many of those things okay so um, uh, i'll uh, begin although uh, this there is no enjoyment in this kind of a class but then um, i'll be starting uh, a class proper tomorrow after i uh, figure out uh, how to be able to you know um, do certain things by which my class will be really very secure okay before that i'm still very um, apprehensive about uh, what happened yesterday okay so um, now i begin uh, war brides and you see this is a one act play all right so one act plays uh, a lot of times are very intensive and uh, you know all the action is going to be over Uh, at a particular place in a particular scene there no there's not going to be any shifting from one place to another but uh, you know this this uh, play even as a one act play even being conducted in one particular place it has you know that kind of um, power you know uh, you know marian wentworth brings that kind of a powerful uh, display of emotions through the characters etc that uh, by the time we see the ending of the play you know hedwig and what happens to hedwig it's absolutely um, uh, you know amazing yes the way in which the play has been written and it has been uh, you know it had been performed subsequently in so very many places in america okay now uh, see this is how the play opens you can read the pre reading discussion uh, the war brides were cheered with enthusiasm and the churches were crowded when the wedding party spoke the ceremony in concert press clipping okay so that's a press clipping and you have a lots of war brides they were cheered with enthusiasm and the churches were crowded when the parties spoke the ceremony in concert so what is happening there are many many women getting married and they are war brides why are they war brides they are getting married to soldiers who are going to go to the battle front yes which means the women know that the men are going to the war and most of them would not return okay so women are being exhorted women are being told that you must get married to such men if you get married to such men you will be performing an act of patriotism and you are also expected actually to give birth to children out of these unions because these children will also be very patriotic and you must prepare to send them to the war all right so you see a a sort of a generation of people being prepared for war okay one generation after the other and if anybody didn't do this they would be considered to be 
you know absolutely uh, unpatriotic they would be considered to be maybe even anti-national okay and they would be uh, almost shunned okay and every young woman who was to be married or who was at the age of getting married for her to be able to marry a soldier who was going to go to war who was going to die was a matter of great pride so this is a clipping from uh, uh, you know a press note or something that has appeared in the newspaper now this is the scene this is where uh, the entire play is going to take place in the house of a peasant a cottage of a peasant and uh, you know they're involved in everyday activities of uh, uh, farming of collecting grain very very hard working women and we know that uh, uh, you know women have had a very important role uh, in in farming yes uh, they they have been uh, in the fields they have been uh, you know planting uh, sowing grain they have been uh, you know threshing grain they have been uh, you know looking after all aspects of agriculture along with the men right uh, and but then you know uh, we do understand that uh, the recognition of women uh, as a force in work in work is always uh, uh, you know invisible okay they are the working hands they bring uh, for example fodder for the cattle they look after the animals okay they do everything okay but their uh, you know their contribution in that particular manner has never been recognized in that way yes because they all you know considered to be a part of the uh, you know unorganized sector which is one of the most invisible sectors probably uh, you know in india okay and maybe in other places as well but uh, the contribution that women have in the home and in agriculture is it can never ever be uh, you know it cannot be undermined it cannot be uh, you know underestimated okay so scene a room in a peasant's cottage in a war-ridden country. Yes, look at the use of the word "war-ridden." Okay, and we know that any country that is affected by war, its economy, its culture, its history, its schools, everything just goes haywire. Yes, look at uh, uh, you know uh, uh, Yusuf, uh, 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 you know Malala Yousafzai. All right, uh, you know she she was uh, you know part of this whole uh, place you know called the Swat Valley in Pakistan. It's one of the most beautiful places uh, you know in Pakistan and maybe in the world as well. And uh, here you had the Taliban who were not allowing children to go to school. Yes, and not allowing females to go to school. All right, so you see war has a kind of impact which just does not affect. Uh, you know the military or economy it can affect each and every aspect of uh, a person's life that is why you know craig worth using the term war ridden country a country infested with war a large fireplace on the right near it a high backed settle on the left a heavy oak table and benches woven mats on the floor a door at left leads into a bedroom in the corner a cupboard at the back a wide window with scarlet geraniums and an open door a few firearms are stacked near the fireplace there is an air of homely color and neatness about the room yes look at the beautiful description of cozy uh, house or a cozy room yes uh, you have a high backed settle that is a, a kind of a sofa or a kind of a reclining place where you can sit and then there are benches there are woven mats there's a fireplace there are some firearms and you know at the back of the window there are scarlet geranium scarlet is a deep red uh, blood red color is scarlet and geraniums are flowers okay outside the window and there's an open door and there is an air of homely color and neatness about the room okay but this is only very uh, 
superficial this neatness this warmth uh, you know as as we go ahead and we talk about or we come to meet the characters we're going to see that this warmth is only very superficial it's going to be very temporary because there are harder and larger questions to be asked and also to be answered okay though the open door may be sorry through the open door may be seen women stacking grain others go about carrying huge baskets of grapes or loads of wood and gradually it penetrates the mind that all these workers are women aristocrats and peasants side by side now and then a bugle blows or a drum beats in the distance a squad of soldiers marches quickly by there is everywhere the tense atmosphere of unusual circumstance the anxiety and excitement of war now see how craigworth uh, very cleverly uh, uh, balances or rather you know uh, sort of gives a kind of a contradictory image in the second uh, you know description of the play she says you know inside there is a warmth there is a fireplace but outside uh, you know women are toiling women are either uh, you know carrying baskets of grapes or wood and it penetrates gradually that all these workers are women and they are aristocrats and they are peasants side by side okay so war um, sort of uh, breaking down all those hierarchies all those divisions of high low peasant uh, and a peasant is a farmer and an aristocrat you know is a uh, you know a person belonging to a noble family uh, they were you know they were landed they had uh, you know they were involved in um, lot of feudal uh, you know arrangements etc so all the women are working together they're carrying wood they're bringing grapes they're working very hard and uh, there is a bugle you know by or a drum that blows in the distance okay and whenever you have a bugle or a drum you know you uh, associate it with war the drum beat for example when you hear yes or the bugle okay which is very military although the bugle also used for military fanfare yes when you see uh, the republic day and uh, you know the beating retreat you see that the bugle has a very important role uh, you know to play uh, you know to uh, for example waking up the forces or saying that the war was over for the day so the bugle blowing and the drum beating in the distance okay and there is a squad of soldier marching quickly by okay a group of soldiers they marching and see there is everywhere the tense atmosphere of unusual circumstance the anxiety and excitement of war so see these two words anxiety and excitement okay so both things are there that war has um, obviously anxiety uh, the fear of loss uh, the fear of uh, deception and of course uh, uh, you know excitement of uh, you know the the rush of blood in the veins of the soldiers the patriotism uh, you know the desire to have your body wrapped in your flag of your country uh, you know we saw that uh, um, you know sentiment being played in a movie like rangde basanti right um, you know how these friends are uh, you know in in punjabi would say vele yes all right and uh, they they they're out on a journey actually of self discovery and when one of them uh, you know jo- becomes um, Uh, you know uh, you know joins the air force and he uh, you know gets affected by this whole uh, scam and he dies etc uh, you know one of the dialogue say ki yaar hamari 
इच्छा है यू नो दैट आर बॉडी शुड बी रैप्ड द फ्लैग इज इन द ट्राई कलर सो यू सी वॉर हैज इट्स ओन एक्साइटमेंट्स बिकॉज प्रॉब्ली द पीपल हु आर इन द आर्मी और इन द आर्म फोर्सेज दे टॉट नेवर टू फियर दे आर टॉट टू डाई Yes, okay. They are taught to go, uh, you know, smiling into the mouths of the cannon. Okay, uh, but then what about the people who are at home? What about the people who, uh, you know, just depend on those people who go to war? Yes. Uh, what about the war widows? What about the children who become, uh, you know, uh, you know, they become so dependent and they also become uh, the first casualties in the war. Okay. What about them? Okay. So an excitement as well as an anxiety. And what are the women doing? See, the women have taken over all the duties that the men used to do. Okay. The men were. assisting the men were helping in a lot of farming duties but the women are doing it all on their own okay and you see how the burden automatically comes to the women amelia now this is the first character we introduced to amelia a slight flaxen haired girl of 19 flaxen haired is uh, you know yellowish gray color maybe a little blonde comes in she brushes off the hay with which she is covered and goes to packing a bag with a secret but determined air so she has just done some work in the farm she's dusted all that hay and she packs a bag with a determined air yes with uh, she's very determined she's going to do something she's packing a bag the mother passes the window and appears in the doorway she is old and work worn but sturdy and stoical yes stoical is when you are unaffected by pleasure or pain it comes from the word stoic right uh, so she is very uh, old she's old but she's work worn but she's sturdy sturdy is strong okay and we know that pain and loss also sometimes make people very stoical yes okay they become unaffected by either anything that's very pleasurable or anything that's very painful uh she uh, now she carries a heavy load of wood and is weary she casts a sharp eye at amelia okay weary is tired uh, and she now is staring at amelia ki what is amelia doing by packing this bag and where does she think she's going and now the play starts so all this was the the first we started with the you know a press clip and then we started with the the description of the environment in the play and now we've begun amelia Uh, sorry um uh, mother what are you doing girl amelia starts and puts the bag in the cupboard who's going away they haven't sent for arno okay arno is the son who is a very young boy but he's also going to be called next to join the war and that uh, many countries there is uh, what you call um, a conscription which is you know a compulsory service that people are supposed to put a, uh, put in the army okay you have it in in many countries yes israel uh, you you know in some uk some places where you have to go for a uh, compulsory i think you have it even in korea you have to go for a compulsory army training and uh, of course during the war uh, you know all distinctions between civilian and military probably they just melt away and if you are required probably you would just be called at short notice and you would have to go so the mother is worried that my youngest son arno i hope he has not been called because other sons of hers have already gone to the war front uh, amelia no mother sighs and drops her head on the hearth is the hay all in okay so the hearth here the fireplace and uh, amelia yes i put it in the last load all the big work on our place is done and so looks at her mother and hesitates her mother begins to chop the wood into kindling kindling is uh, small pieces 
chopped for uh, firewood i'll do that mother okay so amelia seems to be completing some kind of important work she's doing all the work it's all uh, seems to be quite uh, done all over and uh, uh, there seems to be some kind of hesitation in the mind of amelia mother let be girl uh, it keeps me from worry uh, sorry amelia uh, yeah i'll do that mother okay amelia says i'll do that mother so she says don't cut all these pieces i'll do it and mother says let be girl which means let it be it keeps me from worrying get a bite to eat what were you doing with that bag who are you packing it for so she says no let me cut the wood into small pieces uh, it occupies my mind so she says uh, uh, you know what were you doing with that bag uh, and what who are you packing it for amelia with downcast eyes amelia looks quite upset uh, myself mother anxious what for amelia sit down mother and be still while i tell you pushes her mother into an arm chair so she's giving her some kind of news uh, which uh, is unfortunate which seems like uh, uh, you know the mother would not be in uh, would not be happy to hear mother starts starts means she's quite surprised is there any news quick tell me amelia not since yesterday only they say france is at the front we don't know where emil and otto are and there's been a battle but now see one son is arno as a is at home then there's another son france is at the front we don't know where emil and otto are and there's been a battle okay so you see all friends and family everybody's on the battle front and amelia uh, you know is giving some kind of news to her mother although there is no particular news mother murmurs with closed eyes my boys my boys just imagine all of the family yes three four sons all going to the front and the fear that they would never return alive uh, mother starting uh, um, uh, sorry amelia don't mother they may come back a cheer is heard yeah see they may come back she doesn't say they will come back and when she says uh, they may come back there's a cheer heard outside remember the cheer uh, is that there are a lot of women who are getting married to soldiers they're getting married in the churches and the open uh, places and you know the the you know the groups of soldiers are walking around so there's a lot of uh, noise on the streets mother what's that amelia running to the door they are cheering the war brides that's all mother i there's been another wedding ceremony amelia yes mother how many war brides today amelia 10 they say so today 10 women have got married to soldiers who are going to the war front okay so you see these women are uh, you know expected to get married to soldiers and they expected to know that the soldiers would die in the war front so they'd be converted from war uh, brides to war widows in a very short while and there are 10 women getting married in one day amelia 10 they said mother nodding i that is good has anyone asked you amelia amelia looks embarrassed someone should ask you you're a good looking girl so someone she says has any soldier not asked you to get married to him you're a good looking girl why haven't you been asked by anyone amelia in a low voice hans hoffman asked me last night okay so she has also been proposed marriage by hans hoffman and he's a handsome lieutenant okay which means a uh, uh, very uh, you know new and young into the army the young and handsome lieutenant you are lucky you said yes okay so see the mother says 
you are lucky okay so always uh, sort of this question of marriage and uh, privilege you know that uh, the woman is the lucky one when she gets uh, you know a man who's good enough you know uh, to be able to help her provide her look after her etc um, okay uh, amelia shakes her head okay no mother ah well amelia i hardly know him i've only spoken to him once before oh mother that isn't what i want to do mother what did you tell him amelia that i was going away to join the red cross mother amelia amelia he didn't believe me he kissed me and i ran away okay just look at how the dialogues they uh, you know come uh, run so quickly she says you didn't say yes she says no i didn't say yes to him i just know him i met him only once or twice and um, that's not what i want i don't want to get married so the mother says what do you want to do she says i want to join the red cross and her mother is distraught okay and uh, she says you know i uh, you know when i told hoffman that i don't want to marry him he didn't believe her and he kissed me and i ran away okay Okay, so uh, you know how this whole question of uh, you know if a man proposes to a woman, I mean how dare she say no? Okay, and Hoffman doesn't even believe that uh, she said no. Okay, and we see this uh, uh, same kind of situation in uh, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. You know, when uh, Elizabeth is asked uh, to marry, uh, or rather, uh, Elizabeth is asked by Mr. Collins to marry her, uh, to marry him, she refuses. And Mr. Collins says, "I know, you know, that young beautiful women are very modest. They keep refusing, and he keeps making the proposal. As Elizabeth keeps saying no, but he can't believe that she can say no because he's a rich man and." she's not rich and he's a privileged man so even hoffman doesn't believe that amelia has said no how can she refuse marrying a handsome lieutenant of the army okay and where does amelia want to go she wants to join the red cross so can we understand that the red cross was a kind of a um, you know it was a service which gave first aid and looked after the soldiers on the front uh, uh, you know uh, it was like uh, uh, you know very noble to join the red cross i remember my grandmother uh, you know during the world war even she joined the red cross she was a trained uh, red cross nurse you know and um, uh, you know there were people in her family who were very upset about it you know that you'll be ha- you'll have to go to the war front okay so her mother obviously is distraught all her sons are gone to the war uh her daughter in law will meet her daughter in law later and the daughter is the only one who is with her okay so the mother is very distraught okay um distraught meaning she's very upset okay mother the red cross amelia eagerly yes that is what i was going to tell you just now that is why i was packing the bag i i want to go i want to go tonight i can't stand this waiting mother you leave me too okay see the mother uh, uh, you know and we know that amelia feels that you know i mean should i be patriotic only by marrying a soldier can i not be patriotic by joining the war myself you know can't i be uh, you know joining the red cross and doing this kind of work which is so noble which is so patriotic am i not uh, you know should i not be able to do that okay and uh, you know the mother says you want to leave me too okay and the mother uh, obviously very lonely and would be even lonelier without her daughter amelia amelia i want to go to the front with france and otto and emil to nurse them to take care of them if they are wounded and all the others let me mother i too must do something for my country the grapes are plucked and the hay is stacked hedwig is gathering the wheat you can spare me i have been dreaming of it night and day let's look at amelia 
रखे शी वॉन्ट्स टू ब्रेक आउट फ्रॉम दिस यू नो दिस काइंड ऑफ अ फ्रेम वर्क ऑफ जस्ट वर्किंग इन द होम शी सेट आई वॉन्ट टू गो टू द फ्रंट एंड आई वॉन्ट टू लुक आफ्टर माई ब्रदर्स फ्रांस ऑटो एन एमिल टू नर्स दैम एंड टू नर्स अदर्स इन द वॉ फ्रंट एंड शी सेट यू नो आई पैक द ग्रेप्स यू नो दे स्टैक्ट एंड हेड वीक इज असिस्ट इन लॉ शी विल यू नो गैदर द ग्रेन एंड शी सेट आई बिन ड्रीमिंग अबाउट इट मदर प्लीज लेट मी गो मदर सेटिंग हर लिप्स डिसाइसिवली नो अमेलिया Amelia oh mother why mother you must help me with hedwig i can't manage her alone amelia hedwig mother she is strange she broods hadn't you noticed so uh, the first reference to um, hedwig and hedwig is brooding she is very uh, upset and uh, the mother says i can't handle her alone hedwig is the daughter-in-law of the house amelia Why yes but i thought she was worrying about france she adores him and any day she may hear that he is killed it's the waiting that's so awful so she says obviously i know she's waiting for her husband and he may be uh, you know dead any time uh, you know but the most serious thing is that she is actually expecting a baby right so that makes the whole thing much worse mother but it's more than the waiting with hedwig i you will help france more by staying home to take care of his wife amelia especially now amelia now mother goes to her work basket hedwig has told you nothing amelia no mother ah she is a strange girl she asked me to keep it a secret i don't know why but now i think you should know see very proudly she holds up the tiny baby garments she is knitting so we come to know that there is a baby coming into the house amelia doesn't know anything about it hedwig is asked her mother in law to keep it a secret okay so she is very why keep it a secret we'll know uh, of this whole issue uh, when we uh, you know as we go ahead in the play uh, amelia pleased and astonished so franz and hedwig mother nods for their child in 6 months now my first grandchild amelia Francis boy perhaps i shall hear a little one's voice in this house again okay so here too the expectation of a male child and she says um, you know you should wait and look after your sister in law because we're going to have a baby in the house okay and uh, uh, we know that a lot of children uh, you know of soldiers who go to war Are, are are you know they they lose their fathers even before their fathers can see them even one time you know and that is the tragedy of war and this happens so uh, often yes um, some years back uh, you know you must have heard of this girl called gurmeher whose father died in the kargil war okay and um, you know uh, she and her family she and her younger sister her younger sister navi never even saw her father uh, and you know how the mother had to struggle with the two children um, uh you know because of the loss of the father so a lot of children are there um, you know who uh, don't even see their fathers at all or they uh, see their fathers you know as very tiny children and don't even have any recollection of fatherly love and fatherly care so uh, the fact is that uh, you know war um you know for as much of its patriotism as much of its um, uh you know nationalism etc it also has a very serious and a very practical toll on uh, very many people and women and children are uh, you know most affected we see in war zones you know the first thing that is done is women are kidnapped and they are raped 
uh, children are taken away and they're made to fight with militia okay so uh, you know women and children being vulnerable being left alone with the men gone to war uh, the situation always becomes very very precarious becomes very dangerous and so uh, you know all these women getting excited about marrying soldiers but then becoming war brides and then uh, you know having to look after children who are essentially fatherless okay so amelia is now a little confused about this whole situation okay uh, all right so amelia arno is left okay now uh, the only person uh, okay sorry i think mothers uh, yeah uh, we must take care of hedwig amelia she is to be a mother uh, that is our first duty it is our only hope of an heir if you won't marry soon and if if the boys don't come back so the mother says that this is our only chance of uh, continuing our family of an heir and she says you know that you're not getting married and all my sons i think they're all going to die so the baby is the only hope for us okay uh, amelia arno is left mother ah but they're calling him next it is his birthday today poor lad he's on the jump to be off i see him gone too god knows i may never see one of them again i sit here in the long evenings and think how death may take my boys even this minute they may be breathing their last and then i knit this baby sock and think of the precious little life that's coming it's my one comfort amelia nothing must happen now yes look at the emotional way in which the mother talks while i knit this baby garment my sons may be dead on the front and we have only one duty that is to look after hedwig arno the youngest today's his birthday and he's jumping to be off to the battlefield amelia with a touch of impatience what's the matter with hedwig and uh, now we're going to understand that hedwig is going through a lot of mental um, stress she's very upset okay and uh, all of us know how uh, you know mental illness is related to war yes uh, post uh, traumatic syndrome uh, soldiers suffer from nightmares they get bipolar disease uh, you know imagine a soldier who has killed another yes he gets affected by that all his life uh, they get all kinds of mental illnesses and hedwig also being affected very very uh, uh, you know badly uh, by this uh, whole um, uh, you know this whole affair uh, now this is what mother says i don't know what it is she acts as if she didn't want to bring her child into the world she talks wild i tell you i must have that child amelia i cannot live else so hedwig is expressing the fact that she doesn't want to give birth to this child the other night i found her sitting on the edge of her bed staring when she would have been asleep as if she saw visions and whispering and whispering i will send a message to the emperor what message what message i had to shake her out of it she refuses to make a thing for her baby says wait till i see what they do to france it's unnatural okay so the mother uh, is very frightened about how hedwig is behaving she says that she must take a message to the emperor she says that she doesn't want to give birth to the child she only talks about france she's only waiting for her husband to come back and uh, you know she almost seems to be uh, you know uh, you know her mother law would think that she's already going mad okay and that's a very frightful thing for a mother law and the mother law says that the only thing that i want is that hedwig should be able to give birth to the child you know that would be the only way by which we have an heir because all the uh, you know the four sons are about to die yes okay the youngest one arno is yet to go to the war but we understand that all the people and all the young boys were dying okay so i'm going to stop here and hope that uh, 
I'm able to take a class properly tomorrow where we involve everybody in the reading because I think when we involve people in reading the play, there is a sense of certain uh, you know participation and there's also a certain sense of enjoyment. Okay, when you read the parts and you know uh, you know you're playing a particular character. So um, I mean I hope I'm able to resolve um, the the problems of security in my class and uh, able to uh, go back to the class again tomorrow. Uh, thank you everyone and um, please do listen to uh, the podcast so that uh, we're in a position to be able to take off from where I left. Thank you so much.